Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Alex Beck, and joining us on the show is Brad Wallace from Workout Anytime out of Dallas, Texas. What's going on, Brad? Welcome to the show. How are you doing thanks today? For, yeah, thanks for having me, Alex. I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah, of course, man. I'm excited to have you on. Um, I'm always, you know, excited to talk to, um, you know, more big box owners that have their mind more on expansion and continuing to grow their facility. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate you joining us today. I appreciate you giving some of your time. Uh, but before we dive into more of the nitty gritty of what you have going on and how you run your facility, um, why don't you first tell us a little bit about, you know, why you got started in the fitness industry in the first place? Sure. Yeah. My, my path through the fitness industry came through franchising actually. So Workout Anytime is a franchise. Uh, before I was involved with Workout Anytime, I had another franchise in New York City where I lived before Dallas. Uh, and before that I was in finance. So the, the you know, the, the path kind of came through uh, finding a good business model that I thought was scalable uh, and wouldn't get hammered in a recession uh, it wasn't too technical. And so I, that's kind of how I came to, to find work at any time. And then when I was moving to Dallas from New York, uh, you know, I thought it was a very underserved market for this brand. Uh, for instance, there are 35 work at any times in the Atlanta MSA, and there were only two open in Dallas and Dallas is just as big or bigger than Atlanta. So if it can support 35 in Atlanta, then it could you know, in theory, support, uh, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 or 50 in, in Dallas. So right. uh, that's how, how I found it and how I got involved. Yeah. And it looks like, you know, you have pretty good numbers here. We were talking a little bit before po- the podcast. Um, so that's cool. I always like, you know, with talking to people, you know, you started this fitness journey more side of a business decision, right? To, to jump into a bit, uh, a gym owner as a business decision. So I always enjoy talking to people like that because, a lot of gym owners, which is okay to have, you know, a passion for working out and community and, you know, helping people, but a lot of them kind of focus so much on that community passion training people that they forget there's a whole business side of things where you also have to drive revenue, be profitable. Um, so yeah, excited about that, but cool. So why don't you give us a little breakdown, a little elevator pitch of, you know, workout anytime and the services that you offer. Yep, sure. Work at any time is a 24 hour uh, concept. So members can access the facility, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, it's a high value, you know, low price model. Uh, so we are much smaller from a physical footprint than a planet fitness. Uh, for example, you know, our average gym is probably 7,000 square feet as opposed to a planet, which is 15 or 20 or 25,000 square feet. Um, but we're, you know, we're low price, $19 is our lowest membership. Um, and so we, uh, we try to have uh, top line equipment, um, you know, personal training uh, and equipment that people that go to the gym actually use. So example, uh, heavy dumbbells and Olympic lifts and bench presses and deadlift platforms and stuff like that. Uh, so we really do want our members to actually show up and use the gym <laughs> and, uh, we know they'll, they'll be healthier for it and, and stick with us, uh, longer. So, uh, we, uh, you know, we try to be a convenient, uh, flexible option for members, uh, with friendly face and, um, and be a community gym, but, uh, you know, have a much larger corporate backing as well. Awesome. Awesome. So, so yeah, you're offering mostly a 24 seven open gym model, 
um, your members access their key fob. And you also said that you're trying to push more towards that personal training aspect this year. Um, that leads me to my next question. I know you have, you know, pretty decent numbers for your 7K square foot facility. You have 1,900 members. Um, I do always like to ask, are the members, members that you're at now, is that somewhere where you want to stop at? Or are you trying to hit the gas right now and see some new faces? No, you know, we always need new members. People are going to are gonna cancel for whatever reason. They move, they don't use the gym, uh, they sign up for another club. So we, you, you kind of have to constantly uh, replenish. Um, right. But we, we certainly have a lot of room to grow from a membership perspective. You know, before COVID, uh, some of our North Texas locations had more than 3,000 members. Uh -huh. um, so there's a lot of room to grow, even in a, you know, a 7,000 square foot facility. So we, uh, I hope we can get at least a 20%, you know, lift over where we're at just from a membership perspective, um, uh, you know, uh, in the next two years, maybe. Right. So, yeah, so right. No, that's really good. A 20% jump. Um, you know, that, that makes a huge difference for yourself. Um, yeah. but awesome. So since you are wanting to see some new faces, help some more people, you know, get some more members, um, what are you kind of actively doing right now to aid that growth process? We spend a lot of money on digital marketing. So uh, we've got an agency that does, uh, you know, uh, Facebook ads and they do Google ads and they do uh, Instagram and all that sort of stuff. And uh, that seems to be the best way to win members. You've got to win the battle, you know, gym near me on Google. That's, that's really the, the customer acquisition uh, uh, tool these days. So um, we, we spend a lot of money on digital marketing. You know, of course, we want people to refer their friends. We have a referral program and, you right. know, uh, bring a friend, work out, all that sort of stuff. But uh, I think really the, the heart of the battle is the, you know, gym near me on Google. For sure, man. I mean, it sucks to say that, if you don't have that social media, Google presence, if you're not there on Yelp um, for any business, it makes it really hard for people to show up these days. Um, and, you know, for any industry, you have to be active on social media, you know, have to have some type of, um, you know, client acquisition process. So that's good to, to see that you're like using that tool, right? Because that's what it is at the end of the day. It's just a tool to make your life easier, get more members in. Um, are you able to track results with that? Do you track the numbers to see you know, what your cost per acquisition is, how many clients, how many, um, you know, leads you get within a month, a week. Yeah, we can track how many people sign up online uh, through our website each month. It's, it's generally 20 to 30% of our new members each month are signing up online. Um, now that doesn't mean somebody hasn't uh, seen us online, scoped us out, and then they come in and sign up you know, uh, in the club. So the people that are coming to us from the web is probably much higher than 20 to 30%, of course, but, but that's the number that, that usually signs up through our website online, um, uh, in any given month. So as far as how many people see us, uh, you know, our cost per, per lead, I don't really know. There's, that's one of my frustrations with digital marketing is that they, uh, they, no matter the agency, they tend to take credit for every single person that walks in your door. Um, and it's hard to get any real uh, pure metrics to compare from agency to agency is, is my perspective on it. But really, I mean, I've worked with a couple agencies too. I mean, you definitely have to be very upfront and, uh, you know, want to look over the numbers or else they, they do do that. <laughs> they take, yeah. you know, take the credit for, for, every lead that walks in and you yeah. want to be able to track their process and make sure that you're getting value for, you know, the money that you're giving them. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so when you have a new member come in, do you, 
ask them or you know file away track where they came from whether they're a referral or if they saw an ad um if they just googled you uh we try to if it's a referral we know about it because they'll you know we'll give a free month to one of their to friends if their friend is a member so we we know we know that way if they just found us online uh and they signed up online then the system would would you know designate that um but you know, most people if they're signing up, they're like, "Oh, how'd you hear about us?" They're like, "Oh, I don't know, just online." You know, so <laughs> yeah. it, it's not uh, it's not something that we really focus on a hundred percent. And then right. at the end of the day, I'm not the one at the front desk signing them up. Yeah, you know? yeah, uh, definitely. So it's it's hard to know that everyone's doing, uh, you know, asking the right questions and putting it in the system correctly. So right, no, that's true. That's what's finicky, especially as you know, more of a big box owner is keeping track of all that data. Um, but that's stuff that that you know is super important because even like that side tracking where your members come from, if you're able to to see where your members are coming from directly, you know, month to month, you could press more on the stuff that's working. Right, hit the gas on, hey, you know, all we heard all these members are you know, coming in from, from seeing our billboard on this street or whatever, you know, because they saw our Facebook ad, this specific Facebook ad, it, it tells you like, okay, let's hit the gas on that. That's where members are coming from. Um, but cool, cool. So I want to ask, this is a question that I do like to ask just to get a better, um, you know, idea of, you know, where, what you think was, a good way for you to reflect on the past 10 years, not 10 years, sorry. How many, how many years have you been a gym owner? Uh, three feels three like 10. Years. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, so out of the past three years that you've been a gym owner, um, what was easier than you thought when it came to starting your business and what was something that was more difficult or, you know, more challenging when it came to starting your gyms? Um, I think, uh, you know, one benefit of going the franchise route is that they give you a lot of the tools that you need to get started. So right. for example, picking out the gym equipment, you know, that would be a huge undertaking for somebody that hadn't, didn't have a fitness background yeah. that just decided one day, Hey, a gym sounds like a great business model. So they, you know, certainly hold your hand through that kind of thing. So they made the process of getting open easier uh, than it would have been otherwise. Um, of course you pay the franchisor for that. So it's not free advice, but uh, but, but that, you know, the, the idea of getting open was, was relatively easy, but then aside from that, I think everything else has been harder than expected. You know, it's harder to find locations than expected. It's harder to, you know, get people to sign up. You know, we did pre-sale, uh, before the gyms opened, it's harder to get people to sign up and pre-sale than, than I was expecting. It's, uh, you know, it's, harder to get them to sign up, you know, so it's, it's more complicated of a business than expected, uh, you know, managing all the millennials, uh, can be, uh, <laughs> can be challenging, um, uh, at times, uh, uh, you know, getting personal trainers is harder. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not easy. Uh, if it's yeah. easy, everybody would do it, but, um, wow. so I agree. Not, yeah, you the, can the have list. a whole podcast on, on millennials on, on its own. So yeah, the, the list of things that was harder than expected is, you know, infinitely longer than the list of things that were easier than expected. So, right. Right. Okay. So, so just touching a little bit on, on your, you know, sales process that you mentioned, um, what is your process for turning an interested lead into a paid member? Let's say, you know, they come in based off an ad or just seeing you off Google. Um, what's your process for it to turn them into a paid member? 
Yeah, but if they walk in the building, we we get them to sign a waiver, you know, from insurance perspective. But then also we've got their information. So if they don't sign up, we can continue to market to them. Uh, but really what we want to do is we want to we want to show them the facility. Uh, and we don't want to just say, hey, here's our treadmills, here's our dumbbells, here's our, you know, locker rooms, because everybody has that, you know, that's the the baseline expectation. So what we try to do is figure out why the person actually walked in the building or why do they actually give us a call? Uh, and a lot of people say, oh, I just wanted to check out the gym. But if you really start asking them questions, you like, find no, out, yeah, well, they're, you want to lose 30 pounds. Yeah, their daughter's getting married in six months and yeah. they're, you know, they want to lose 30 pounds or their doctor told them they're going to, you know, going to kick the bucket if they don't start working out or uh, yeah. or whatever. So everyone has a, a why um, and uh, trying to ask them questions to get to that why is much more effective than just saying, you know, hey, look, we've got, you know, a bench press. Uh, just like everybody else. So, so we, you know, we try to show them around, develop rapport with them, de develop some connection with them, figure out if what we have to offer is a good fit for what they're looking for. Um, and then, uh, and then sign them up. So it's, it's creating a connection and, uh, and trying to get them to sign up. Um, uh, it's a super competitive business, especially in a, a big city like Dallas. So it's, it's really convenience, you know, uh, and that's what we try to be is convenient and flexible and friendly. Uh, and, uh, and all the equipment is, you know, is, is kind of the baseline expectation. There's, it's not like our treadmills are better or worse than Planet Fitnesses or our dumbbells are better or worse than, you know, any of the other gyms out there. So it's, it's just about being friendly and, uh, and giving them a reason to come to us. Right. And especially as, you know, a big box facility, um, and you're competing with these other chain locations like 24 hour fitness, crunch fitness, you know, all these locations that just want to chop prices more and, and try and, you know, bring in herds of people. Um, that's, you know, a benefit for you because it gives you more room to be able to stand out. Right. And that's like the way I've noticed most big box gym owners are able to stand out from those big locations is by providing more value, making themselves stand out. Um, you know, doing those consultations, like you said, caring about their goals and, you know, the real reason why they're there. And then, um, you know, being able to help them and guide them along that process. Um, so are you, I know you have multiple locations, so I'm assuming you have a whole sales team or, you know, not a big sales team, but at each location, a sales team that actually goes through the consultations and, and turns them into members. Yeah. Really anyone at our front desk is, a sales consultant. So okay. if you walk into our club, whoever's seated at the front desk can, you know, can, can show you around and it's their job to sign you up. So uh, we, we do have, you know, front desk people or sales. We have managers that, that, you know, manage the front desk people and, uh, and all the other kind of managerial aspects of the club, but, but they're not big staff. You know, we have uh, maybe four or five full-time salespeople at each club. Okay. Okay. So, awesome. Awesome. And do you have like a sales process or, you know, some type of system that you plug and play to, to teach, you know, the people that you hire? Yeah, we, you know, we, we uh, want them to learn about uh, every facet of the gym. So if somebody is going to come in and say, I don't care about cardio, you know, all I want to do is lift. But then someone else is going to come in and say, oh, I'm scared of the weight floor. You know, I, I don't even know how to turn on a treadmill. So our staff obviously needs to know everything that's in the gym, but then it's their job to tailor the uh, the presentation or the tour to what the customer is actually seeking. 
So we try to, to give them all the bullet points of, you know, all the talking points about what we have in the gym, but then really dial it back and only talk about the things that the person actually cares about. And we had, you know, <laughs> we called the museum tour when you just kind of walk around and you're like, here's our treadmills, here's our dumbbells, here's our locker rooms, here's our hydro massage. Um, and it's, it's boring and nobody cares because they can see it because they have eyes. But we had one guy who, uh, who came in with an, you know, he's 85 years old. He has an oxygen tank and our front desk guy was showing him, Hey, look at our treadmills and look, we have dumbbells up to hundred pounds. Isn't that cool? And after we're like, Hey man, what are you doing? This guy, you know, he can barely walk. You don't need to show him hundred pound dumbbells. Right. So, uh, so, you know, it's constantly training and coaching and, and, and getting people to move away from the museum tour and, uh, really connect with the prospect on why, you know? Uh, so we try to ask more why questions, not here's our stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. Smart. And I know it's more difficult to, to be able to track numbers when you're at scale like this, have multiple locations, you know, a bunch of, um, you know, employees, but are you able to track like the conversion rate of your sales team? Um, you know, to be able to look at maybe the things you could fix or get better at or improve on. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I have uh, personally um, probably come up the learning curve on a lot in the past year is how to manage the gyms, right? And so you know it's easy to look at the end of the month and say, oh, we had a good month or oh, we had a bad month, um, but that's not you know that's not really managing. That's just you know looking at a at an end right. number. So we have we I have tried to become more sophisticated and about tracking the business on a daily basis and looking at metrics such as closing ratio, for example. So now what we have for all four clubs is we have, you know, uh, it's twice a week, we send out a tracker to the general managers saying, you know, here's how many people are coming in. Here's how many people we're closing. You know, here's the average value of the membership that they're buying uh, and a bunch of other metrics that we track. And yeah, yeah. it's the GM's job to course correct. So if their closing ratio is dipping below, you know, our target, then we look at like more granularly, hey, listen, uh, your club closing ratio is at 60%. It's got to be a little bit higher. But if you really drill down, it's this guy. He's the weakest link. And right. unfortunately, he's closing Monday at prime time. So if he's our worst salesperson, then we got to really spend a lot of time training him or we've got to put somebody else in that in that spot. So yeah. we, we become a lot more focused on specific metrics and uh, tracking them and uh, then trying to coach people up on how they can drive each metric to um, uh, to what we need them to do. Right. And good for you too. Cause a lot of people have like a, you know, maybe bad stigma about tracking these numbers and, you know, the numbers are never a bad thing. Sure. It gives you an idea of where you're at at that moment, but more than anything, it's just a way to look at, you know, what you need to improve, right? Like, sure. You could have a good month, but still have really crappy numbers that you could improve on. Um, so it is important to, to keep track of those, of those as well. Um, but cool. So if you could wave a magic business wand, so to speak, um, and have your business be in the exact position that you want it, what would that look like to you amongst your gyms? Um, I'd have, you know, 2,500 members at each location and I'd have a, a PT business doing between 10 and $20,000 per month per location. Um, so that would be, uh, that'd be great. That'd be, you know, more than what I expected going into this from yeah. a revenue and, and a profitability perspective. So that would be my, uh, <laughs> my wish. Yeah, yeah. Your magic wand wish. Yeah. And what, what would you say is like the biggest bottleneck you're facing right now 
um, from, you know, getting to that point, getting to that 2,500 member mark and really pushing personal training? Um, it, it, it's location uh, dependent, you know, uh, we, you know, we are uh, judged and ranked within a franchise system. So I know how I stack up relative to my 170 other work at any times um, from a new sales perspective, for example. So generally we're pretty good, you know, we're never the best, but we're always in the top, you know, top percent, you know, uh, quartile, I suppose, um, uh, for the four locations. So that's great. Um, but you know, we have one location, especially that we just can't keep our members. There's a huge chunk of the people that, uh, they don't pay their bill. And so we lose more members that are returned to a collections agency than we do from people canceling. Uh, I think it's just the demographic of the neighborhood. So now I got to figure out how do we, you know, combat that. So, uh, so customer churn is, is a problem for us. Um, we're trying to get smarter about fighting that. Um, but that's, you know, especially at, at one location, that's been our biggest hindrance to growth. Um, and then for PT, you know, like I said, I, I don't have any background in, in training trainers and managing a PT business. So we really had to hire somebody that that's been there, done that to, uh, to do it because I've, I'm, I'm never going to, you know, be successful at that because I just don't have the, the, uh, the background. So. And, and what do you think that would do for you? Like, as your business, if you were able to get that private training up and running, um, you know, get it filled up, because a lot of people don't realize how many, you know, at least 10 to 20% of your members not only have the money for personal training, um, but are interested in, you know, higher levels of service. So it's like, you know, at one point, you don't want to look at your members as a cash cow and like, let's just keep stacking these things to, you know, get more money out of them. But at the other point, it's like, hey, man, if I could provide more value to them and in turn, it provides more value to me, like, why wouldn't I do that? No, I, I've, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, I think, I think the industry average is 3% of your member base should have some, you know, personal training yeah. uh, services that they, you know, buy from you, uh, basically. So we have a lot of room to, to grow in that, in that department. But as far as what it would look like, you know, I think it would help. Uh, it would help the business from a from a profitability perspective. It would help uh, the members by seeing trainers. So even if they're not paying us extra for training, there's more people that they can go to and say, hey, you look friendly. I see you coaching all these people all the time. I have a really stupid question. Yeah. You know, how do I work out this or how do I turn this machine on? You know, uh, it just makes us more accessible uh, and uh, uh, a better, you know, place to educate our members for their yeah, at, at, at the end of the day, you just end up providing more value and just, you know, gives you a way to stand out more, gives yeah. you a reason for your members to come back the next month. I mean, it's always like a continuing battle. Of course, members are always going to leave, but you want to figure out the things you could do to prevent that. Right. Um, and I know we touched a bit on retention and that's something you're working on right now. What type of things have you been doing to, you know, um, you know, improve your retention rate? Well, I mean, everything from just more dedicated time to calling people, you know, when someone's one month past due, it's a $20 problem when they're six months past due, you know, it's a, it's a $120 problem. And a lot of these people, they're not going to just come up with $120. Right. So, uh, so we try to, we try to contact them when it's a $20 problem. Um, uh, so we're spending more time re reaching out to delinquents. We're trying to get people to, to pay with ACH instead of credit card. Um, okay. uh, uh, so those things help. Um, uh, so I'm hoping we can 
we can make some headway, but it's, it's hard. We've, we've put in a ton of effort and it's helped a little bit. And then as soon as we take our eye off the ball, it goes right back to where it was. So uh, I, I think, unfortunately it's maybe the, maybe the, the demographic at one of the places. So, which is, which is, you know, true. And it sucks. I, yeah. I mean, I talked to gym owners from affluent communities and I talked to ones, you know, from the hood and that's yeah. something that, that it just happens. It's part of, you know, the nature of it. Um, yeah. But cool, cool. So I know, um, you are trying to add some more private training into your facilities right now as another layer of service, but is there anything else that you've ever thought of, like maybe supplements or merch, um, you know, maybe even semi-private training that you've thought about adding in to your services? We've, we've, uh, we don't really do supplements. Um, I suppose we could, but it's not something we've looked into. Uh, we, we have done small group classes in the past. We've had, you know, mixed results with people paying us extra for that. Um, and, you know, that's one competitive disadvantage that we have versus these, you know, 50,000 square foot gyms where for 10, 15 bucks a month, they have classes running all day, every day. Right. So and that's that's just a function of square foot. And they also uh, have teachers who are getting paid like yeah 15 an hour so yeah exactly so, teacher, so yeah so that's that's somewhere that that is uh it's a hard area for us to compete um uh by having the small group classes um just to make the economics work um uh so to answer your question you know not really i i think there's so much more that we can uh accomplish from just a you know regular membership perspective uh, and then also just the one-on-one -on -one training that those are the priorities and, and they're big enough tasks that they take up, you know, all of our bandwidth all day, every day. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not opposed to supplements or anything like that, but we've got a lot of, a lot of wood to chop just with the core business, I think. Yeah, man. So, I mean, even touching back on that supplements part, um, you know, it, it's a, a good move because, you know, when you think about it, I, the numbers will probably be even higher for supplements when you think about the percentage of members that you have that are buying a protein or a BCA or, you know, a, a pre-workout or all of them, um, you know, that, that go to your facility. So if you could provide, provide that inside your facility, it, it just gives you, you know, like we said, more, more value for yourself, uh, more value to give to your members. Um, I've even talked to some facilities who include supplements in their sales process for like mm -hmm. the whole private training aspect. So, you know, you sign someone up for private training, they do a week, um, you know, and after that week you offer, you know, the bundle um, that, you know, you get the, the, the protein, the fat burner and the BCA, you know, stuff that they're going to already buy outside. But if you're able to provide it, you know, inside your facility, um, you know, it's, it's that much more of a benefit for you. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so, so we know what you want for your business now, right, Brad? And that's, um, you know, to continue growth, continue helping people. Um, but what do you want from your business? What's like the big picture for you, the end goal? You've only been an owner for three years. You have four facilities already. What's that big picture for you? Well, you know, what I need to do is, is get the four uh, to, um, to a level of profitability that I uh, hope that they would be at or close to it. And then, uh, you know, I, I, the real reason I got into this is because I thought it was a scalable business model. And so, you know, if you have four, there's no reason you can't have eight or 12 or 20. Right. Uh, but I've got to make sure that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in deep enough for the four I have 
and I need to make sure that the uh, <laughs> that the light at the end of the tunnel is there. But once yeah. I am confident that it is, then you know I'd like to keep expanding and and uh, and adding more locations. So yeah. that that was really the interest, uh, not to have one or two or even four, but to have you know twenty of them. Um, but I gotta you know. It, COVID was not in the business plan, um, of course. So it's it's been a harder harder road for everyone, uh, no matter what uh, line of work you're in, um, the past three years. So I'm trying to, you know, trying to make it happen and trying to get smarter and trying to to uh, to take care of uh, the four locations that I have. And then once I have more confidence that those are in a good spot, then I'll keep keep growing. Definitely scalable, right? I mean, gyms are are definitely scalable, but like the first thing is having the model to scale, right? Having the, the, the gym model that you could copy and paste and, and works and, you know, con- consistently makes a profitable gym. Um, so that's good that you noticed that as well. Um, but cool, Brad, I think that's a pretty good place to start to wrap things up on this episode. But before we do sign out of here, please give a shout out to your website, social media pages, um, just so the listeners could find some more info on you and your gym. Sure. It's work at any time is the brand uh, work at any dot work is our, uh, is our website. We've got locations, you know, across the country, 170 of them. So go to the website, just type in your zip code and, and hopefully you'll, you'll find one near you. Uh, and you can use any of them across the country. So if you travel, uh, for work or for pleasure, you're, you can, uh, can access any of them across the whole nation. So, yes, sir. Workout anytime. We got Brad Wallace from from Texas. He's got multiple locations in Texas um, based out of Dallas. We appreciate you, Brad, once again, and I look forward to seeing what you could accomplish down the road. Um, And to everyone else who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. As for the listeners, don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you are interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome back, guys, to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we dive in the trenches with gym owners. We talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly sides of the business of fitness. I am your host, Austin Montero. Today, joined by Brian Lebo of Athletic Performance Training Center, two locations, Cleveland, Ohio, and Youngstown, Ohio. Brian, how are we doing, man? Very well. How are you today? Doing great. Doing great. Appreciate you coming on, spending some time with us. See the gym in the background. Look, looks pretty awesome. Lovely little training center we got there. Not so little, but lovely training center we got. <laughs> Thank you. We'll hit a little workout after this, right? A little virtual virtual pump, if you will. But uh, let's start, man. So we could have done anything in the world, right? Uh, why did you choose to go down this route of entrepreneurship and opening up and running a, a, a business within the fitness space? Sure. So, so growing up, um, athletics were, were part of my development. I was a high school and college athlete, football and baseball in high school, baseball in college. Um, and college. Uh, and, and shortly after graduating from Youngstown State, 
I went into the pharmaceutical industry and I worked in the pharma for 20 years, uh, primarily as director of training. Um, in my previous life, I had a pathology related masters with a concentration in hypertension and diabetes. I was a clinical educator, loved what I did. But in 2007, my company made a decision to outsource training and they uh, dissolved our division. So I had some decisions to make. Um, I have four children at the time. I had a junior in high school, a son, and three daughters, eighth grade, sixth grade, fourth grade, all very capable athletes, all played high school sports. Two of them were fortunate enough to have the opportunity to play beyond high school. And I had always been involved with them, um, with strength and conditioning, because i it's something that wasn't real big when I grew up and when I played, but I, I thought it was an important component of athletic performance. Yeah. And so I was learning what I could along the way. And I suppose uh, losing my job in 2007 was that final push. And I went back and finished a master's degree in exercise science, human performance. And I decided to open the business and it, it centered around working with my kids. And then it became working with their teammates and competitors and clubs and organizations and schools and all that sort of thing. And it kind of blew up from there. Yeah. And it was, it was really about me staying connected with my children. And I've always been involved with them academically and socially and in a lot of different ways. But this was a way for me to, uh, to do that more athletically, I guess. And that's, in a nutshell, how I started this business. I like it. Yeah, I'm sure it could go on for hours. I know I could go on for hours. Of I life. probably could. But uh, yeah, I love it from the, you know, obviously being an athlete is a, you know, high school athlete, college athlete, you know, we're yep. going to be inclined to train that way for sure. Uh, tell us about uh, your initial location, uh, Brian, how you chose that from like the real estate perspective, you know, sure. footage wise, I can see the gym now, but give us like the virtual walkthrough of, first of all, why you picked that space. Yep. and kind of what it looks like in, in the atmosphere and vibe you have going on. So this is our fourth facility. Uh, we're in our 15th year, obviously. This is our fourth facility. Yep. We've, we've yep. just continually outgrown. We've been in each facility, you know, obviously about three to four years right around there. So our first facility was in the community where my kids go to school. So it was uh, not far from where we live. It was not far from where my kids went to school, and it was about a thousand square feet. It was just basic strength and conditioning, couple of power racks, you know, benches, we had a lot of neat equipment, kettlebells, bands, et cetera. It's evolved over the years. And we were there for a couple of years and we moved into a 3000 square foot facility in a field house. And we were probably there for another five years, give or take. Yep. And we we had the opportunity to, to uh, improve our situation and move into a bigger facility, four or 5,000 square feet. And we did that for about four or five years. And then last February, February 2021, we moved into this facility. I know you can't see it all, but it's about 12,000 square feet. Ooh, yeah. um, we have about four or 5,000 square feet of strength and conditioning area. Uh, we had enough room to put in a full court gymnasium. So we have a full court basketball and volleyball court. We have uh, subtenants that are AAU basketball and volleyball organizations that come and use our space. We also have a bunch of office space in the back. Um, we, we lease some of the office space. One, as a matter of fact, is to a, a local massotherapist. And so um, this was a real good opportunity for us uh, configuring the play. It was just a big, old, greasy, dirty manufacturing facility. So the build out was pretty involved. But we got it probably on 90 percent of how we wanted it. And, you know, we had some headaches along the way. But uh, but two uh, a year ago, uh, a year and two months ago, we opened and we haven't looked back. 
And then um, I'm originally from the Youngstown area, and we had always had a vision of opening a place in Youngstown. I don't think we're done expanding yet. I think we'd like to continue expanding, but um, we had some reasons for not moving forward with that, some family issues along the way. Of course, COVID came about, and we actually thought we'd be open in Youngstown about a year ago, and we had some supply chain issues, et cetera. Same stuff everyone's having right now. Sure. But uh, we actually opened our facility in Youngstown, which is about four or 5,000 square feet, a couple of months ago, and it's exactly it's configured exactly like our facility in cleveland except for the court we do not have a basketball and volleyball court in youngstown it's strictly a strength and conditioning speed and agility uh space we have some rubber court flooring we have some turf flooring and and the two facilities um aside from the court are almost identical that's awesome i'm ready to train right now man that's a, <laughs> i did not know the place was that big and that with the full basketball court in there that was my sport growing up so that'd be yeah awesome. it's kind of awesome what's well, yeah. ironic it's the one sport that i didn't play growing right. up a whole yeah. lot anyway i love to play now but yeah. it was my four kids common theme there you go they all played now they played multiple sports but they were all basketball players in high school and then like i said two of them had the opportunity to play beyond which was kind of neat but uh yeah my kids uh, it's become part of their lifestyle they still train today my son lives in manhattan uh, my three daughters are relatively local ones in cincinnati but um i email our our core off our foundational workout to them every week and they they still they still train the same way they trained when when they were here that's very cool that's very cool what is the uh and I'm close to your son. I'm, I'm about an hour north of Manhattan, so we're actually we're actually kind of close. What, what would you say? What demographic of athlete do you train the most, or is it pretty spread out? Is it baseball, football, volleyball? It's it's way spread out. I mean, the, the demographic is really scholastic. Yeah, we train uh, athletes from you know virtually every sport. Um, yeah. We we do train a lot of the sports that you know people would usually think of as the primary sports: the football, yeah. baseball, basketball, volleyball, etc. You know, a lot of hockey players. We t we train you know athletes who are involved in dance and cheer. Um, yeah. You know, lac lacrosse players, uh, swimmers, wrestlers. So there's there's really not a limit. If if there was a if there was a primary demographic, I'd have to take a look at our numbers and see. I'm sure it would be marginal at best because, you know, we we train lots of athletes from a variety of different sports. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. What would you say, Brian, is like, I know we have clients in person in both gyms, online. We're going off off site as well. Yep. How many how many uh, people, athletes, Gen Pop included right now, are you serving or you know, coaching? Right within our facility, our brick and mortar facility is probably in the 150 to 175 active customers. That'll increase a little bit this summer when the college kids start coming home. And then offsite, it's it's hundreds of athletes. I mean, we have contracts with a couple of schools and hopefully a third on its way um, to provide strength and conditioning for all their athletes and all their sports programs. And both of these schools are relatively big schools. And so we're talking probably a few hundred athletes at both of these schools. In addition, although some of this stuff went away for COVID, we are back doing offsite training with uh, soccer organizations, baseball organizations, offsite at their facilities, which is dozens more athletes. So um, we don't really do any online training. I do post our workouts online. Uh, during COVID, we had a shutdown for three months. And so um, I came into my facility with my daughter every week. And we not only posted our strength and conditioning workout, but we also posted an at-home bodyweight workout that, uh, that people could do. And I don't charge anyone for that. We post them on Instagram or on social media as Coach Brian. Ryan Lebo, anyone can access it. Um, so we haven't really done the online platform training, uh, or at least as of yet, everything that we do is, is live training. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. 
You brought up the offsite stuff. I, I, I may have touched on it first, but uh, what I've seen is it kind of hard to get into schools, right? From, from us as outside coaches to get into schools and you have a multitude of them. I mean, what have you found best practice to kind of, you know, to crack that nut, if you will? Because, you know, I, I find, and I could be totally wrong, we have our coaches that are at these high schools that they like to keep the athletes. We'll say, you're on the money, right? You're yeah. on the yeah. money. Good. It's not only me. You could call it controlling. Okay. Yeah. Just a bit. Yeah, you right? could call like, it that. Man. Yeah. So I, I found from my experience, like obviously forming a good relationship with the AD. And, for, and I've done uh, where, you know, my, my, the AD at my high school was my coach growing up. So that was easy. You know, yep. Like if you don't have that relationship, is that what you've seen just, somehow trying to get in relationship wise and then over time getting both out. of the athletic directors with these high schools in Cleveland. And we've worked with probably a dozen high schools over the yeah. years, not yeah. permanent, full-time contractual, et cetera. But right. um, you know, we do coaches clinics for them here. We travel to their high schools and we help them to develop a little better programming for their athletes, et cetera. And yeah. so it is really all about the relationships. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll get into this with the business a little more, but I think it's important to be a relentless advertiser, promoter, and ultimately marketer. I think you have to. I mean, my day, and I know we're not getting into the business yet, so I'll touch on it briefly. Yeah. You know, from 7 to 10, during the school year, from 7 to 10 a.m., we're pretty busy. We have a lot of adult customers. Now we're going to start getting some of the college kids in the morning. And then I say break, quote, unquote. I have a little bit of a break between about 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. And then at 2 p.m., school lets out, and we not only have all the kids coming after school, but we have our court rentals you know, right. well into the evening. So yeah. my period from 10 to two, like I'm doing this today, is my productive time. It's the time where I got to get stuff done. So my goal for my business, both here and in Youngstown is I want to make some kind of productive, beneficial contact every single day. I want to try to contact or follow up with some athletic director, some coach, some administrator, et cetera. And so it's, it's, it's networking, it's word of mouth. I mean, all that stuff helps. But it's, with all due humility, it's hustling. For sure, yeah. I'm so glad you said that, Brian. Um, I think we are a marketing uh, company as well as fitness and coaching. And I no think question. We have to be, like, I have a similar saying to you. It's early to bed, early to rise, hustle like hell, and advertise. So it's kind of like that. the take on, I think, Frank Ben Franklin and Schwarzenegger, kind of a blend of both. But, uh, you know, yeah, so, like, we have to market. Nobody knows what the heck we're doing until they we get them in the door, right? So it's like... How do we get people in the door? And then they can maybe see the difference if they were somewhere else prior to what we do in our in our coaching style and product and service. Spot on. Got to get them in the door. Spot on. It's everything, right? It all kind of flows from that acquisition down. So yep. obviously word of mouth, big part of marketing, right? Uh, building these relationships, big part. Have you done any uh, digital marketing, you know, via social media and these platforms are just enormous. social media is huge for us. Yeah. So yeah. what we found early on, we tried some print marketing, we tried some SEO marketing, yeah. you know, uh, but what I found is our return on investment, our bang for our buck with social media advertising is huge. I can spend $25 on an ad on Facebook. I can choose the demographic. I could add some keywords. Um, I can choose the geography and I can reach three or 4,000 people. I get three or 4,000 hits. And if I just get one customer out of that, it's a huge return on investment in contrast to the print and the media advertising, which costs hundreds and hundreds or even thousands of dollars. You know, I'm not quite sure where the focus is, where the demographic is, et cetera. So yeah, we, we've done that from the beginning. I, I was kind of sold on social media 
probably very early on in my career here, kind of an interesting story behind that. But anyway, uh, I'm a big believer and we are, we are big fans of advertising specifically on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. And the, uh, in the time we can save, right? If you can reach no question. people, that'll take forever word of mouth variation. Yep. And like, yeah, the digital piece is the only way we can predict um, some sort of lead numbers and then an overall growth. Um, yeah. And I mean, you get metrics, you can evaluate it, you can yeah. adjust it. So it's, it's, it's very measurable. A thousand percent. Yeah. And like, like training for an athlete training, we know our squat, our power clean, our 400 meter time, our vertical. All about me measurables. Yep. We're speaking the same language. I love it. So I do have a question. Um, Facebook, big, obviously uh, one of the bigger platforms, Instagram kind of connected. And with your younger athletes, TikTok is now becoming massive, right? And that is with the advertising dollar on TikTok right now, it is like Facebook was in 2010. So the, yeah. the price per lead <coughs> is for, and again, we're solving the biggest problem in the world. I think is like fitness, health, and then getting strong. So like, sure. Have you have you thought about TikTok yet? Have you used it yet? Is it on the? We're plan? exploring it. Yeah, we're in the process. We're exploring it. I, I credit it. my daughters with that. But yeah, there they're yeah. they're they're dragging me kicking and screaming into 2022. Exactly, and it's different. We have to be like you know, we have to be like legit on the phone, like making a video and like. Got to go where the customers are. Period. Thousand and old kids are they they live on there. You know, it's crazy. So yep. yeah. I'm glad you said that, Brian. Marketing is everything. So once we do get the clients in the door, what is like your, we'll call it sales process from taking that person off the street to uh, being a member, whether it's an athlete or a gen pop person? Well, we try to explain to them not only what we do and why we do it, but how we solve a problem and, and why it's important. So obviously, you know, our, our two pillars are improving athletic performance and reducing the risk of injury. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we've developed an algorithm that has been knocked on wood, pretty successful for us over the past decade and a half. And so what we do is we, we try to educate folks because there is so much, and I'm sure you know this, there is so much misinformation, misunderstanding, et cetera. We, we try to be guided by the science. I, we do more than try. Once again, um, if it's supported in the empirical literature, we, we will consider adopting it. If it's not, we'll keep an eye on it. You know, everything at one point was just a trend or a fad. I mean, the, the TRX, which is a great tool at one time was, was a fad. It was a trend. It was, you know, ingenious, two little nylon straps, but which I made at one time there, there wasn't a whole lot of data supporting it. So right. anyway, I think getting them in the door and, and having a little uh, excitement and a little enthusiasm. And then the other thing that we do is we always let someone try it on before they buy it. We always give them a free trial session. Um, you know, we make sure they understand that the trial session is just a snapshot of what we do because, you know, our, our, our exercise selection changes weekly. It's dependent on age and training proficiency and experience and what sport they play, et cetera. Um, you know, once again, another fallacy that things have to be different, you know, diametrically different based with different athletes. But the reality is the human body has seven basic movement patterns, three planes of motion. Good movement is good movement. Yeah. And what we want to do is, you know, we don't train muscles here. We train movements. We train athletes. We train functionality. And so I think that education piece, once they come in the door, is really, really important. Um, we try to get them in so they can see you know, a, a similar demographic, kids that are similar ages, similar sports, et cetera. Um, so they can talk with other kids and other parents while they're here. So we really try to build a little bit of a, uh, we try to build a little bit of a family here. And, and, and we've been real successful in not only um, 
in our discussion earlier, getting people through the door, but also retaining customers. You know, our, our retention is obviously real important. And so we not only want to build the business, but we, we want our service to be valuable enough that, that people want to continue training with us. And, and most do. Some, some don't. We've lost some over the years, but most do. For sure. Yeah, retention, obviously, uh, super important. Before we dive into that, Brian, what about when they do join, right? They come in, you meet with them, you do your consultation piece. Yep. What are the options at that point? Where do you do you place them in a, whether it's a group piece or the PT piece? Um, and what do those memberships kind of, memberships for lack of better words look like? Sure, so what we do is we, we, we always, I mean, the training's the same, okay? So if I have a baseball player who's gonna join our small group training, we're probably gonna design the same workout for him or her whether they train as part of a small group or if they train one-on-one -on -one with, with a trainer privately. Now, when we talk about group training, these people don't have to form their own groups. And for example, if you and two of your friends came in for a workout, it would be like kids staying after school, sitting in a room, doing their own homework assignment. They wouldn't be doing the same thing. It would be based on their own grade level, their own proficiency, their own goals, their own stage of development, et cetera. So the fact that we can provide group-based training. We, we assign one strength coach for every two to four athletes. So it's very individualized. But the fact that we can do that uh, a little less expensively and more efficiently um, is appealing to most people. And so, you know, the workout is, is basically the same, but, you know, we, we give them what they think that, that they want. You know, we, we do ask them if they want individual one-on-one -on -one training, just, you know, why that's important. And there's a lot of different reasons and it really doesn't matter. Uh, you know, whatever their reasons are, are, are valid. Valid, but we want to understand that, you know, we, we, we want to understand, you know, we, we have some issues without getting into it too much where we have some kids who come to us and they're a little self-conscious, they're a little uh, introverted, that sort of thing. And so the parents think that the best thing for them would be to work, you know, just one-on-one. -on -one. Now, I mean, when they do that, they're, they're not the only athlete in the facility. They just are one-on-one -on -one with, a, with a particular tram. We have a, a very big facility. So, you know, we're not on each other's toes, but, um, you know, when they come in, we, we find out which way they want to take with regard to a small group or personal training. The vast majority of our customers are small group training customers. And then we provide some pricing options and we, we price in bundles. And so these folks can purchase 10 sessions, for example, at, uh, at X amount of dollars per session. If they purchase 20 sessions, it reduces the cost by about 250 a session. Um, 50 sessions is another break point, et cetera. And so um, most people come in and they, I would say the average purchase is a 20 session bundle. You know, we take a look at what their goals are for frequency, two days a week, three days a week, et cetera. If they're looking, you know, in, initially um, from one measurement piece to the other to get through the first six weeks, 12 weeks, et cetera. And then we, we kind of configure their training accordingly. Yeah. Yeah, I like the package setup kind of has a defined end to it, you know, and I'm sure you have expiration yep. dates on that, especially the especially the 50 spot there with the general pop side of things. Brian, do you ever have you had any special like kind of similar thing, any special initial offers to get people in, you know, with a defined end? four week program, six week program, 12 week. We program. do, we, we, we do with the gen pop. Um, yeah. You know, we have two more generic sales. So, so twice a year we have a big sale. One is on black Friday weekend. The one's coming up on Memorial day weekend. And we that. offer a pretty deep discount. Uh, you, you know, you have to buy a certain number of, of sessions, but yeah. we offer a pretty deep discount. And so what, what we find is it's almost kind of, kind of comical because 
December, January tends to be a little lower revenue month because these people, they buy out the sessions yep. for Black yep. Friday at the end of yep. November. I mean, huge, people buy hundreds of sessions. Um, and so we do have two huge uh, sales, one Black Friday weekend, one Memorial Day weekend. And then other than that, we have some different promotions that are exactly like you mentioned. It's a yeah. four week, a six week, a 12 week, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, and so we have some folks who do that as well. And, and that helps because, you know, once again, it's finite. They can see their way to the end of it. You know, we always hope and encourage and support them continuing that ongoing. Yeah. But uh, but it's a, it's a good way for someone to see this as a, as a manageable, finite purchase. Thousand percent, thousand percent. I love that you brought up the uh, Black Friday Memorial Day uh, program, our, our, our sale option. And I was thinking it, and I knew you were going to say it, and I was going to ask you if you didn't say it, but it's because December, you know, it's always a slow month across the board. And uh, what do you got? June, July, August, always a slow time. So a great way to yeah. kind of pump up. Our, our summer is actually, I mean, there is some seasonality to our business, but our summer is actually kind of big for a couple of reasons. First of all, we run a six-week speed and agility camp twice a week for six weeks at the local high school stadium. And we've had as many as 60, 80 kids. I think right now we're probably in the 40 to 50 range so far this year. It doesn't start till the second week of June. And then the other thing is, you know, when all the college kids come home, so, you know, our normal customer base increases by dozens of athletes just with the college kids coming home. So we actually haven't seen as much of a dip in the summer. I'll tell you where we see, though, back to school. Okay. It's not even fall sports athletes. Huh. It is just families trying to get reacclimated with scheduling when they go back to school. So late August, early September, every year for the last 15 years without fail, we see a little bit of a dip. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. It's always like kind of reassessment time, reset back to school yeah. time, kind of weird coming off summer vacation, all that stuff. Yep. With these sale ideas, which I think are terrific, just general day to day, do you have any way to say, downsell somebody like say they come to the gym and they can't afford the pt or the small group is there a downsell option um, always yeah always i mean you know once again it's it, it sales you know i read a good meme today that uh there was a person who says i don't want to sell and and the answer the response was well everything is selling everything. and th this person said well who sells and they said you know what your dentist sells your veterinarian sells everyone sells yeah. and so you know we do and 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 our, our pricing structure is way across the board when, you know, during COVID, for example, we had folks who lost jobs. We had right. folks who were out of work. You know, we, we, without getting into a whole lot of detail, we really varied our pricing anywhere from working with kids for free so they could continue their training to reducing their pricing. So we, we always do. I have people who come in and, um, you know, when, when people think it's it's pricey, uh, the one question I always ask is, you know, compared to what? I mean, I just want a reference because yeah. with regard to other services like we provide, I think we're pretty reasonable. But when I benchmarked our pricing 15 years ago, I didn't benchmark it with other gyms. I benchmarked it with other developmental opportunities like yeah. music lessons and dance lessons and, and karate lessons and other things that kids do. And I wanted to be in line with that. OK, with what parents spend money on to develop their children. OK, because what we're after is development. You know, we want to help people to to work toward and achieve their goals. Yeah. And, and, and you know, most of these other people want to do that, whether their goals are musical or academic or, you know, whatever, scholastic, whatever the case may be. And so um, 
Yeah, it's it's very individualized. And, you know, I don't evaluate people's W-2s or their tax returns or anything like that. So we take people at face value. But the reality is we're not in the business of turning customers away on cost or for any other reason, race, color, creed, et cetera. And so if cost is an issue, we want to find a way and a happy medium to accommodate those customers. It's period. It's simple. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's awesome. And uh, I love their whole uh, approach to sales. You hear a lot of time in this industry, like it's not about the money. Like I, it has to be a little bit about the money because if that's what you do, you know, there's a good quote, chase the dream, not the money. I get it, but yeah. this is still my livelihood. Exactly. Exactly. At the, the end of the day, I, I have a few bills to pay. Exactly. And the more we make, we can, uh, we can serve more people, you know, and it's just, we can make our facility better. We can do more yeah. marketing. We can get more, yeah. Get in front of well, the old saying, help more people and the money will come. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, uh, yeah, I like to kind of break that mindset here in the fitness space as much as we can. So like, uh, because, you know, and then you hear the thing like it's not a, you know, what's your, what's your real job or that sort of thing. And I'm sure you've heard it before, right? Like, you know, for sure. And it's, uh, I think we do one of the most important things in the world. So uh, I'm really glad, Brian, you mentioned all the stuff you just did. So from, from now, from the downsell now to, uh, I guess, the upsell. So like average revenue per member, do you guys offer any other services, whether it's uh, nutrition, I mean, supplementation may be tough with the high school athletes with kind of some subs are weird, but, you know, uh, to increase average revenue per person on top of like the small group or PT. Do you guys have any other programs, services, products that you do have? We, we do. We're affiliated with some nutrition education. You know, okay. nutrition education is a big part of what we do. We think it's yeah. important. We can't really say nutrition counseling, nutrition guidance, because we are not nutritionists per se. Right. We're, we're not certified dietitians or anything like that. Um, right. But yeah, we have a few different affiliations. Um, obviously, we have a, a relationship with a massotherapist who's right here in the house. Um, we have some other relationships. I mean, you can't really see around the facility. Uh, maybe you can see in the background just a little bit. We have it. some banners up on the wall. Sure. Okay. Oh, yeah, and so what we do is we form advertising partnerships with local small businesses. And we have relationships with a few dozen of them here in Cleveland and already uh, a few, already a dozen in Youngstown. And some of them are directly related, like, you know, a very big uh, physical therapy organization, a very big um, cryotherapy and uh, restorative therapy organization. Um, And then we have, you know, realtors and, and, uh, and insurance agents and local bars and restaurants and that sort of thing. So we actually have some relationships with those folks where we we have a we have a stake or we have a benefit as well for example with the restorative therapy it's not so much uh, financial as it is um uh they they provide us with a dollar amount equivalent of restorative therapy with cryotherapy with infrared sauna with massage etc and so yeah we you know all, all that's important to me and, and and we try you know the, the the advertising is great passive income for us in addition to hanging the banners we also advertise for these folks on our social media on our blog on our website on our direct mail marketing and, and I'm able to show them once again, the measurement, and the metrics, right? Google analytics indicates that all of these uh, venues produce over 10,000 hits per month, tens of thousands of hits per month. And so that's real attractive to people. So yeah, we, we, we try to vary and branch out a little bit and do some things that will, will help our business move forward uh, financially outside of the just brick and or above and beyond, I should say the brick and mortar training. Yeah. I love that. I love the, uh, again, obviously working with our locality and like, sponsorships and partnerships uh, strategically yeah. are like so, so important we're big on community yeah and for the longevity of our business i think it's like 
Beautiful. So like yep. with all that being said, uh, Brian, next 12 months for athletic performance training center, what are some big goals or maybe one thing, or if there's multiple that you guys are looking to and will accomplish? Well, I would say at the Cleveland location, it's it's business as usual. I mean, we always want to try new things. We want to do things to improve what we do. We're constantly trying to learn and improve. But the reality is it's all about maintaining our current customer base, getting more customers through the door, improving the way that we deliver our services. You know, every person that comes through the door when they leave, it's like a broken record. You know, please tell your friends and teammates about us. Please tell your friends and teammates about us. So all the time. But I would say primarily it's going to be Youngstown. You know, Youngstown opened uh, two months ago and, and we've gotten off to a pretty good start. But we want to get Youngstown up and running. Not only the customers coming into our facility, um, we're working with some some very knowledgeable people in Youngstown to help us with the offsite piece. Um, some local clubs and organizations that we'll be meeting with real shortly. Uh, we're in the process of finalizing a contract with a local high school to provide their strength and conditioning for them. Um, like I said, we already have partnerships with about a dozen local businesses in Youngstown um, right off the bat. So I would say, you know, really uh, increasing and steepening that, that curve, that adoption curve in Youngstown is going to be one of our big priorities for the next six to 12 months. That's awesome. I love it. And, uh, yeah, to make Youngstown just like Cleveland, right? Similar. That's the goal. That's the goal, right? Yeah, I love it, man. And then ultimately, Brian, ultimately from like, we'll go end, end game here from, from your standpoint, what would you like from this business at the end of the day? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm getting what I want from it right now. We're helping a lot of people to work toward and achieve their goals. But, uh, but at the end of the day, I think I want to build something that, that will, that will, that will perpetuate. And, um, you know, I've been grooming uh, some staff members. I have a young lady who's our head strength coach. She's been with me for a couple of years this May. She's outstanding. I trained her as a, as a high school and a college volleyball player. And, um, and so at some point, I don't think we're done expanding. I think there's, there's a, there's another location or two that I'm interested in. And, you know, I have some friends, you know, all across the country that tell me, come here, come here, you know, and it's not quite that easy, but um, we are looking at another Northeast Ohio location, one, maybe two over the next, I would say 12 to 18 months um, after we establish Youngstown a, a little, a, a little more, but um, you know, at some point over the next three to five years, I, I can see, uh, you know, selling this business, hopefully, and keeping it running uh, in the way that we've established it, that we've built it, and that we run it now. Yeah. And so um, I'm, I'm neck deep in it right now. So it's kind of kind of difficult to see that. But I do think about that from time to time. Um, you know, the, the 20 years in the pharmaceutical industry afforded me a little bit of a little bit of latitude. We took a you know small slice of the, the severance package and we started this business and, you know, we didn't really borrow any money. I mean, we've borrowed some since then. Sure, but sure. Uh, yeah, knock on wood, you know, you know, financially, it's it's been rewarding uh, personally and professionally. It's been very rewarding. And so I would say within the next three to five years, I may take a look at uh, reducing my role, including my ownership stake in Athletic Performance Training Center. Very cool. Yeah, I love it. Uh, the life cycle of an entrepreneur, right? It's always very yeah. There will be something else after that. Oh, yeah. We have to have that plan and kind of reverse engineer everything back. Yep. Cool. So, Brian, I think a great place to wrap this up, man. I appreciate you coming on. And I think we learned a lot today. And uh, Oh, my pleasure. Awesome, man. I know you dropped your social media before, but where can the listeners check you out? Website, uh, social media, where can we find it? Coach Brian Lebo. All one word. 
Um, that's our Facebook page. That's our Twitter. That's our Instagram. Hopefully in the very new, near future, it'll be our TikTok. But uh, Coach Brian Lebo, we, we'd welcome you to, to follow us. We encourage that. Um, it, it's I don't you know necessarily automatically follow everyone back. I, I like to see what you're promoting as long as it's appropriate. But um, if you'd like us to follow back, we'll follow you back. We have no qualms with that. But uh, yeah, I would encourage people to take a look at what we have to offer. There's a ton of stuff. We, like I said, we post our workout every single week. Yeah. So strength and conditioning, speed and agility, uh, diet and nutrition. We post a lot of inspirational and motivational stuff as well. But, uh, you know, we, we, we'd love to grow our, our base on social media as well. Yeah, for sure. I love it, Brian. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. And we wish you the best of luck. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. You got it. You got it. Listeners, we appreciate you as well. Please hit like and subscribe to be notified for future episodes. And until next time, Jim Lords, we are out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Dawn from Fusion Fitness Studio in Nevada City, California. What's up, Dawn? How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? doing well thank you so much for taking the time to join us i appreciate it you bet thanks for having me of course all right so let's jump right into the details here wasting no time what is it that made you want to own your own studio how did you get started um well that journey started about 12 years ago and you know i've I've been a dancer my whole life. And then as I started to age out of being able to do that on a professional level, um, I decided that um, I wanted to go a little bit more into the fitness genre of dance. And, um, you know, I've always been into fitness and my mom was a nutritionist. And so that was kind of always a part of my lifestyle. So I started going to gyms and I actually saw that there was a lot of women that walked into a gym and didn't really know what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, they tend to walk right past the weights, even though that that might be the best thing for their physique. Um, or what they want with their fitness goals. And then they would go right to the machines, whether it was a treadmill or an elliptical, and they would just kind of check the box. Um, you know, I went to the gym, done. Um, and I saw an avenue where I started talking with women at the gym and um, just developed friends and relationships. And, you know, group classes, I think are, especially for women, um, you know, they they hold a special they hold a special little piece for women. Mm -hmm. um, we really want community. We really want 
people around us that are supportive and uplifting. Um, the gym feels very isolating in some instances. Mm -hmm. And so I just started to think, well, what if I developed a group fitness class where, you know, although it was based in dance, um, I could also bring in the elements that I enjoyed, which were weights. And it was also hit classes and it was kickboxing and it was all of these various things, um, that I really enjoyed. I liked kind of, I like a little bit of everything. Yeah. And um, so I decided to open Fusion, which is literally a combination of a bunch of different fitness uh, genres. And I kind of fuse them all together and I create group classes that are in a uplifting and positive space to where um, it is mostly geared towards women, although I do have men there, too. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all shapes and sizes. Egos aren't allowed in the room. Like we're all there for one purpose and it's just to lift each other up. So it was very important for me to develop that. And at the basis of it all, that's a, that's community. And so yes. I wanted to develop a fitness community. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you tie different things in to that as far as, um, different, offerings. And uh, I think that 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 keeps it interesting, you know, rather than just being one thing all the time, you switch it up and offer a yeah. lot of a lot of different things. So that's awesome. Now, what does your business model look like currently? Are you doing group classes, semi privates, one on ones kind of walk us through the setup? Um, it's mostly group classes. I do offer one-on-one -on -one, uh, trainings, um, but I'm also the coach of a lot of the group training classes. The dance class is the one that requires me to lead each one. So that's kind of my primary flagship. I do all the choreography. I choose all the music. Um, I'm definitely not a franchise, <laughs> uh, although there's nothing wrong with a franchise, but it's, I'm, I'm kind of a one woman show as far as the dance class goes. Right. Okay. Um, and so in addition to that, then I also offer strength training classes that are circuit and hit based. Um, and I do offer one-on-one -on -one training, but those, those appointments are limited because most of the time I'm leading group classes. So it makes it hard to kind of fit that in. Got it. Okay. All right. So mostly group classes, uh, some one-on-ones here and there, but you're mostly just geared toward those, those larger group classes. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. I love that group classes yeah. in my opinion are the best because of the energy of them. You know, it's like, Same. yes, it's, it's so much more, um, encouraging and gets everybody kind of hyped up. And I think you, you get better results from what I found anyway, with the, the group classes. So I love that. Um, now, how many members are you currently serving within the facility? Uh, you know, I would probably say right now, as far as active members, I'm probably right around the number of about 65 as far as active members. Okay. Um, I think that, uh, you know, like everybody during COVID, I definitely had some people fall off. Mm -hmm. um, and I am so... Like even last night, I had somebody come to my class that I hadn't seen in almost three years. And it just makes my heart oh my so happy Yeah, yeah, to have them come back and to actually see faces and have the energy back again. Um, so I would say right now about 65. Um, mm -hmm. I would say pre-COVID, as far as active members, I had closer to 100. And everybody kind of picks and shoots. I'm, I'm a boutique model, so I have all of the classes under one umbrella. And then everybody buys whatever package that they want, depending upon their schedule. And then they can choose the classes that they want to go to um, throughout 
you know, the time frame that they purchase their classes. So I have monthly memberships. I have um, also have just class packs to where they can buy X amount of classes that expire in two months, three months. Somebody can just drop in if they want to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's a it's a pick and choose kind of a model. Okay. And yeah. as far as the membership itself goes, so obviously going from 100 members to about 65 members, there's a difference in revenue there. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're definitely not alone there. Many have experienced very similar things. Uh, yeah. So is the membership number, are you comfortable where that is right now? Or are you in a position where you do need to bring more people in again to get things back up to a, a position where you're a little bit more comfortable? Yeah. You know, I, um, it's, I have a hard time answering that question right now because I feel so fortunate that I am open. Yeah. There are mm -hmm. so many facilities that, um, you know, they had to make other choices and part of that, you know, everything that happened with COVID was the facility that I'm in now, I have always shared space with other people in the past. Mm -hmm. And the facility that I'm in now, um, I own by myself and I was able to own it because sadly, somebody else couldn't maintain it anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, am I happy at 65? No. Am I grateful at 65 members? Absolutely. Right. Um, and I just, I, I just want to give a nod to that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in a perfect world, do I want, you know, my class is bigger and do I want 100 members and do I want to get back to that figure? Absolutely, I do. Mm -hmm. um, I am very much a goal-oriented person. Um, you know, this is my passion, um, but I also believe very profoundly that you can it's okay to make money at your passion. Yes. So I absolutely want to grow the numbers, um, mm -hmm. but I am also at the same time, I take a moment of gratitude every day for just keeping my doors open because um, that was difficult. That yes. was really hard. Yes, absolutely. It's a huge accomplishment at this point to still have your doors open. You know, about 40% of gyms closed because of COVID. Um, you know, with that being said, a lot of gyms opened because of COVID as well, which is interesting. Um, and I'm one of them. Yeah, yes. I'm one of them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there were there were so many gyms that did open either, you know, right after or because of or you know a lot of people started to kind of do their own things whether that be uh online or in their garage or whatever it might be and those kind of blossomed into larger businesses that are now fully functional um so it's been crazy that's for sure but oh, yeah. as far as um the recovery process goes and kind of getting back to the numbers that you were at mm -hmm. prior to um mm -hmm. What does marketing look like? How are you getting the word out there about what it is that you're doing? How are you attracting new people into the facility? You know, I am, I, I am very fortunate that at the beginning of my, um, you know, my career to do this and to develop this, um, that I made it very clear that I was, um, I was a community space. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we do food share programs. We get together for like this Saturday or Sunday, excuse me, is a perfect example where it's May Day. So we're getting together and we're doing like floral arrangements that people can take to their neighbors or friends or anything like that to hang on their doorknobs because that's the tradition of May Day. 
this is who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, this isn't, it's it, although it's marketing, um, it's not like I set these programs up to be quote unquote marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just how I do business. So it's very important for me to push the sense of community to invite others into that community. Um, I also have to make sure that when people come in, they embrace the fact that you're becoming a part of a community. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, marketing wise, I just, I feel like I'm just, I'm myself and I have no problem talking to a stranger in a grocery line and handing out my cards and, you know, yes, and my own social media, of course I am. Everybody is, the whole world is. If you run a business, there's, you don't have a choice. Exactly. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know, but, um, I really feel like, um, I really feel like if I can get to talk to the person or if I can get them through my door, mm-hmm. um, I can, I, I, my crew handles the rest, Yeah, you know, everybody right. just very welcoming, very inviting. Um, and it's, it's, it's a unique space that way. And I, it's exactly how I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, that tends to be the number one thing within businesses is just getting people through the door. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. once they come in the door, a lot of times they love the environment, they become a part of the community, and then they end up sticking around. It's more so just letting people know that you're there and what you do, you know, it's like, you'd be surprised so many people that even live within the area very close that don't even know that you're there, Mm -hmm. you know, it's so crazy. Um, And with that being said, do you do any type of paid advertising, whether that be through Instagram, Facebook, Google, any of those platforms at all? You know, um, I used to do a lot of paid stuff, um, especially on Facebook, because, you know, Instagram has a whole different feel, in my opinion. That's more of like a global situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Facebook feels like these are people in my community that know other people in my community. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I did. I I paid for some advertising. I've never spent that much as far as boosting posts and things like that. Um, But that absolutely was a component. I'm in a small town, so we still have a small town newspaper, you know, and I have advertised in print form. I've done speaking engagements. I've um, hosted community events. I've done, you know, pop-up shops in different places and, you know, and things like that. So I feel like I've kind of, I've, I've dabbled a little bit in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think that that, ba- that that word of mouth, especially from people that have been in my class is still the number one marketing tool in my humble opinion. Mm -hmm. And I really take care of my members. You know, if they bring somebody in, I surprise them, you know, I'll give them a month free here and there, or I'll run contests about it and, you know, and things like that. Or I'll just call that person out, you know, in class to say, hey, you had my back. Like you, you've made a difference and I really appreciate you. And, um, a good old fashioned thank you card goes a long way, you know? So I kind of, I kind of do a little bit of everything, but you know, my entire practice is really centered in a heavy, heavy gratitude feel, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm thankful for everybody that's there. The other people that are there are thankful for the empowerment and the uplifting that they get from the people that also join the class. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, 
even now that we're kind of tapering off of COVID, there's lots of hugs in my class. There's lots of tears. There's lots of laughter. Mm -hmm. You know, um, my, my clients are friends. Yeah. Yeah. So they take care. Yeah. They take care of each other and they take care of me. And we, I've made a joke that, you know, I, I want the circle of friendship to be bigger um, is what I've said. And then recently I said, you know what? I don't want it to be a circle anymore. I want it to be a horseshoe. And I said, because a circle has a beginning and an end. Right. And I'm like, this just needs to keep going, you yes. know? <laughs> so yeah, we just have fun, honestly. And it's, um, it's very organic and the people that come know somebody that, that comes. And I can't tell you how many times I've had people come in and I said, how'd you hear about me? And they're like, oh my God, I've heard about you for years from all these different ways. I'm just finally getting here, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. So I love word of mouth. It's mm-hmm. fantastic because those people come in, typically they're already bought in, they're already ready to become a part of the community and typically yep. they mesh well with the community. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about it is that it's not trackable or reliable. True. So that makes it a little bit challenging as far as growth goes to look at you know, how we can sustainably grow. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always like to have multiple poles in the water as far as advertising goes. I like to say, you know, you've got your organic social media posting, you've got your word of mouth, you've got your referrals, but then I always like to have something that's reliable and trackable as far Mm -hmm. as advertising goes. So paid advertising through Facebook was always what worked best for me. Yep. Um, and it worked well. It worked well for me too. So I am 100% in agreement for with you. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, you know, putting out there some type of offer that's attractive, that makes people want to come in, try it out, see what you're about uh, is huge. So, you know, when you do do any type of advertising, whether that be sure. organic or paid, what mm-hmm. offer are you putting out there to the public? Well, your first class at my studio is always free. So there's no obligation to purchase anything when you come in. Um, so I, I mean, I think that that's the number one thing. I know a lot of other, like some gyms, if they're traditional gyms, they'll do like a seven day pass or something like that. For me, I basically just say, come in, give a class a try, give us a try. Um, and there's no obligation beyond that. And um, I mean, nine times out of 10, it works. You know, they just, they like it. They like the community. They like everything that's involved. Um, and there's no obligation for them to pay. And honestly, if they don't ever come back, that's their choice. Um, but I think that, you know, having somebody for the first time have to sign a contract and then pay X amount of dollars or anything when they're just curious, um, I think we need to open up our doors a little bit more. I don't, I'm not down with giving free services. I don't want that to be misunderstood. Yeah. We yeah. All need to be, yeah. We all need to be paid for what yes. we're doing. And yes, I want to, sure. I, I really want to focus that and hit that home because our worth yeah. is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that, you know, that doesn't have to be the first card that we play. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we want to build rapport with somebody come in and give me a try. It's going to be complimentary, no obligation. If you hate it, don't come back. Mm-hmm. you know? Um, but that's always kind of been, that's, that's always been my biggest. Um, I think, I think that's made the biggest difference for my classes is just offering it in like a no obligation environment. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now one thing I always love to ask about are either 
key challenges or bottlenecks within the business? Because typically there's always some type of challenge that we're facing along mm -hmm. the way. Um, yeah. Those come along with owning a business. So yeah. are there any that you're facing right now, whether it be challenges or bottlenecks? Uh, and if so, how are you overcoming them? You know, I had mentioned earlier that I had always shared space with people. And so it reduced my overhead. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I realized during everything with COVID that um, sharing isn't always caring. <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, it was time for me to kind of find my own way and my own path. Um, but I also live in California and the cost of our rents here are astronomical. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that the biggest thing is balancing that constant, um, as far as cost of running the business, still paying myself, um, because that gets, that gets lost in the shuffle. Yes. Very easily. Yeah. <clears throat> and balancing that I think is the most, is, has been the most, it, it's, it's the hardest part. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's easy to get kind of lost along the way. Cause typically that, that tends to be the first thing to go, right? It's like, well, I can just not pay myself and then I can make sure that everyone else is paid. The overhead is covered, you know, all of that. Um, but then <laughs> yeah. it, quickly turns into a position where you're donating all of your time, you're fully investing everything that you have yep. into the business and not able to take a paycheck. And that happens so very often. And it's almost like a badge of honor that gym owners wear, you know, um, and you end up working more and being paid less than you would working 40 hours for somebody else, you know? Um, yeah. so that happens so, so often. Um, so how are you kind of <coughs> I got a cough. I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's okay. No worries. <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> Give me one sec. Yeah, no worries. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> Let's try this again. Okay. <laughs> so uh, how do you kind of keep that balance and, and what do you what do you focus on to make sure that you're maintaining that balance? within the business itself? You know, I think that there are times that that's been easier than others. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a pretty authentic person. So I don't, I would rather like display and be honest about my struggles. Um, <clears throat> so I think that um, I am, although I love to do this and um, I've worked a long time to be successful at it, I am not willing to not pay myself. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, I look around at my clientele and we all have very authentic conversations, whether it's struggles in their jobs, <clears throat> relationships. Um, I mean, a lot of my clientele are women. So I'm dealing with, you know, raising kids and, and, and also being in the workplace mm -hmm. and everything that goes along <clears throat> with the stresses of life. Um, and I would never tell my client to go to work for free. Right. You know, I would never say it's okay. You'll get paid one day. You know, I mean, that's just, um, <clears throat> it's not right. Right. And, um, so I have to live that same authentic life. Mm -hmm. So for me, um, 
I am not willing, I am willing to have my pay fluctuate. Like I understand that's a, that's as a business owner, you know, sometimes I have to take away from my wages to pay for advertising, or sometimes I have to pay, you know, take away from my wages for an event that I want to throw or, you know, or something like that. I am very real when it comes to those things, but my base pay, my minimum pay never has changed. Um, I refuse to pay myself less than that. So, um, I think a lot of the time, you know, I have a business plan and I think a lot of gym owners, um, you know, maybe go into this because they think, well, I, you know, it's okay if I don't make money this one month because I'll make it up the next month. But when you have that mentality, you never make it up the next month. Right. So I have a business plan. I review it on a monthly basis. I have goals that are set. I know what I need to make. I earn a minimum income period. Um, And the fact of the matter is if my membership goes down, I have the ability. I mean, I, I teach group classes. Mm -hmm. So if my membership goes down to a point, I condense my classes and I have fewer classes with more members so that my bottom line doesn't change. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, that might not be the best business model for other people out there, but for me, that's my time and that's my worth. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't really vary. So I'm, I'm kind of stubborn that way. And if I have to, I mean, during COVID I did, I had to scale my classes down because I didn't have enough people, um, coming Mm -hmm. and I went online like everybody else. And I had some people basically that, I had a lot of people for a long time that supported me online and I didn't even have to ask. I mean, I just figured that I wasn't like during that time frame. I'm just going to do this to continue doing it. Um, and a lot of people just really stepped up and supported me because they felt like I always supported them in what they needed and what they were doing. Uh-huh. So, you know, I had to be very real that it's like, I have this space and I want to open it, but I'm only going to be able to do this many classes and I need to have a minimum of this many people. And, you know, as long as we keep going, we keep going together. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I love that you make that point there about the importance of paying yourself, you know, because so many, like I said before, so many gym owners almost wear it as like a badge of honor. And it's like, well, I didn't, I got into this business to help people. And it's like, yeah. right, of course you did. Mm-hmm. But if you're not getting a paycheck and you can't keep your doors open and you can't put feet put food on your table to feed your family, who are you going to help? Yeah. You know, like I said, I would never encourage a client of mine that walked through the door and, you know, said, uh, you know, well, I'm struggling financially and my job doesn't want to pay me anything, but they want me to keep on working. Right. You know, I would never be like, that's a solid idea. So I don't, uh, you know, I would never, I would never apply that to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people have, have trouble kind of differentiating like themselves between mm-hmm. other people. And when you look at it like that, like, would you tell your best friend to work for free? Yeah. You'd be like, no, get the hell out of there. What are you doing? Yeah. I'm right? like, what are you doing? So, You're wasting your time. Yeah. Like all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Right. Easier to look at it from that perspective. So yeah. I, yeah. I definitely appreciate that. Um, cool. All right. So now what is I like to ask about like the unicorn goal. What is the big picture goal, perfect world, kind of mm-hmm. paint a picture for us of where you're looking to take 
the business? Um, you know, I have gone back and forth on this answer for so many, I mean, so many years. It was like at one point in time, I wanted an empire and I was going to franchise and I was going to, you know, train other instructors and I, you know, everything like that. And then I've retreated a little bit and basically said, no, like I want it to sustain and to support and I, you know, and things like that. And then I go back to the empire idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I'm kind of all over the place as far as that goes. Um, you know, I started this 12 years ago and I just turned 50 a couple weeks ago. So I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not just starting out, you mm -hmm. know, in my career or in my life. Um, and so I really feel like for me, um, I would love for it to expand because I've seen the impact it's had on my clients' lives. Yeah. Um, I've seen what they're able to do. Um, I've seen it not only from a physical standpoint, but an emotional standpoint from having a safe place where they feel good, no matter what size they are, no matter what they're wearing, no matter, you know, all of those things. So I would love to cultivate more of that. Yes. Um, but I don't necessarily need to be the helm of that ship. Like I, it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be my baby that all of a sudden then basically I want to put in, you know, in all 50 states. Right. Um, what I would love is I would love, um, I would love other people to love what I do and want to reproduce what I do. Yeah. Yeah. And that would, that would make me super happy. And I know that it would touch people in all areas, um, of the country and, or the globe. Um, but you know, I don't need to drive that bus, so to speak. I would love to have other people. I would love to have it be more of a collaborative type of thing where people just like what I do. And I am online, I'm on YouTube, the whole nine yards. I mean, there's nothing, there's no transparency in today's world anymore about what yeah. we all do. Right. Um, and so I just gift it out there and I would love for somebody to run with it and or hundreds of thousands of people to run with it. Right. But yeah, I don't, I don't need to be the person saying, okay, I did this. And now as a part of this, like, I don't want to make it into a franchise anymore. Like that was something that was, you know, several years ago. And I thought, well, that'd be cool. And that was a fleeting moment, you know, but I would just love for it to develop organically, just have other people have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of take the same, um, ideals and, and systems and just kind of run with that yep. on their, yeah. on their own, essentially. Yep. Yeah. And I would love to go visit whomever wants to do it in every in any place that they want to. And I would, I would love to do classes with them. Like that would be super, super fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Just kind of grow, grow the community outside of where you are. Um, oh, 100%. I'm in a teeny tiny town, so it would be great if it grew. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Love that. Awesome. Yeah. Very authentic and, and genuine. Thank I you. like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Well, I am on Instagram and it's uh, fusion.fitness.studio. Um, I'm also on Facebook and it's just Fusion Fitness Studio. Uh, my name is Don Riley. It's spelled a little bit unique. It's R-Y-L-E-Y -E as far as the last name. So you can also just type that in and you'll find me someplace somewhere. Um, as far as YouTube, it's also under Fusion Fitness Studio. So I didn't reinvent the wheel. I mean, it's my name all over the place. 
Perfect. So simple, so easy simple. to find you. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. I like that. Okay. Awesome. So Dawn from Fusion Fitness Studio in Nevada City, California. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been so great having you on the show. Thanks, Bri. I appreciate it. Absolutely. To all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.